What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 139 of the Quarterly Report Podcast. I am your host, Armand Lee, stuck inside just like each and every one of you all. But you know what? I'm having the time of my life, man. Hopefully you all are as well. And being safe this week, a quarantine podcast, but a special super dope podcast. Nonetheless, my guy, man, friend of the program, someone I've known for years, WTOP's own Frank Hanrahan is stopping by. We've got so much to discuss. Obviously, the coronavirus uh, top amongst the topics that we'll be just talking about, but also how media, the media has been um, impacted and what part they play, not just in the coronavirus, but also some nasty stuff that's been going on in the sports world. Really, really dope conversation I had with Frank. So you're going to want to make sure you stick around for the third quarter for that. Plus, I feel so bad for one sports organization particularly. I'm going to tell you why I empathize with them and the lasting impact that this year could have on the entire landscape of one sport specifically. All of that and so much more. But first, our number one topic this week. First, How fitting is it that as this virus has shut down everything in sight, Lord only knows what the lasting impacts of COVID-19 will be on small businesses, the education system, our healthcare system, the economy and whole as a whole, excuse me, the airplane business, uh, the NBA is literally eyeing the potential um, end game of canceling an entire NBA season. And we're going to talk about that later in the fourth quarter. All of these things are happening, impacting us whether it's day-to-day individually or like massive long-term, you know, ramifications. I mean, Lord only knows the, the cruise line industry. I don't know how long it's going to take for Bama's to feel comfortable on a cruise. I mean, we're talking about countless number of tentacles of the coronavirus and how it will impact all of us. But isn't it fitting that the one thing Maybe not the one thing. There, there are a few. There are a few industries that are coronavirus proof. But one of the biggest ones is the NFL. Isn't it just fitting that all of these other sports leagues in college, collegiate sports and everything, everywhere you turn, it's just like yo, everything is crumbling in front of us. You know the meme where the kid is on the swing, right? And then in the background is like a, a an apartment complex that's burning up. The kid on the swing is the NFL. The NBA may cancel the season. Baseball may not be able to start their season until Lord knows when. College, college sports, the biggest, the biggest thing in the college year outside of the CBS playoffs, the March Madness tournament was canceled. The Masters is postponed. Everywhere you look, the NHL had to postpone their season. Everywhere you turn, the sports world. Is falling apart. ESPN is broadcasting seven hours of Tom Brady. <laughs> you understand? When all else fails, yo, the NFL is just. I'm at a. I'm like I marvel at it because even on like just a, a logical scale, right? Imagine the impact the coronavirus would have had on all of us had. It not hit us late February, early March, but that that one week in between the Super Bowl. I tweeted this from my personal account. Can you imagine if all of this that is happening now happened that one week before the Super Bowl? I because I don't know if the NFL would cancel the Super Bowl, and that's when you see capitalism at its peak. Like how many lives would have to be at stake? For you to cancel something before the government be like, nah, we're not doing this. WrestleMania, oh, uh, you know, it's, it's a little silly wrestling fans. We can cancel that. You know, no one made the NBA cancel anything. They were the mayor of DC, Mario Bowser. She, like, literally the day before the NBA just shut everything down, voluntarily, mind you. Mayor Bowser was like, yo, I don't think that we should have any gatherings more than, of more than a thousand people. This is a thousand people at this time, like two weeks ago. And then like moments later, and then they asked her if 
you know, if if you could go to a Wizards game, if your family member was going, would you suggest your family going to a Wizards game? She said, no, I wouldn't. Moments later, Ted Leonsis was like, yo, we still open. And we still good to go. They At this point, they weren't even doing, you know, games without uh, uh, without crowds. And then obviously Rudy Gobert gets it and then everything changes from that point on. But the point is, Everyone else has had to deal with life after COVID-19, except for the NFL. The NFL just keeps on chugging along. And for ESPN and the Fox Sports and all the, the sports networks, you could tell the sigh of relief that they had this entire week, thanks to Tom Brady, Slim. Tom Brady saved the sporting world for one week. And this is the funny thing. We all knew he was leaving. Or at least we like, yo, this is a real big chance that this is happening. And then, so so the top Brady, he does the whole sporting world of solid. He, he, he allowed everyone to stretch it up because on one day he says, yes, I'm not coming back to New England. But he doesn't tell anybody where he's going. So everybody's like, oh my God, Tom Brady's leaving the Patriots. Although everyone knew that this was the reality. He sold his home. Last year, he sold his home. Or he put his house up for sale. I don't know if he sold it yet. So we knew that this was a reality or a, po- a strong possibility. And then later that day, I believe it was Colin Coward was like, yo, I'm reporting Tom Brady's going to go to the Buccaneers. So for a day and a half, we knew that he was going to Tampa Bay. But then on Wednesday, oh my goodness, Tom Brady's going to the Buccaneers. Tom Brady held the sports world down something serious. And I salute him. You know, for me, there are other topics that, you know, I find interesting and we'll, we'll go on through that as the show progresses. But Tom Brady leaving the Patriots is a huge story nonetheless, even if we knew that it was coming. But I'm fascinated by the, the, the notion that so many people think the Patriots did Tom Brady wrong or that the Patriots were foolish in letting Tom Brady leave. I don't know what y'all are watching. But this has been consistent. This has been a consistent thread for the New England Patriots under Bill Belichick. We have seen this for two decades. As Ty Law. As, you know, uh, uh, Willie McGinnis, Dion Branch, Teddy Bruschi, Richard Seymour. Like, this is what they do. And I, Wes Walker, I give Bill Belichick credit when he knows that this person, what is it? What is, what is the, the Patriot motto or the Patriot mantra, right? Might as well get away with it, get away from a person a year before rather than a year late. And this is what they've always done. I don't know if Tom Brady is completely washed. I, I wouldn't say that he is. And I do think him going to Tampa Bay where they have a plethora of skill position players will help him. But I also don't think that Tom Brady, the way y'all talk about Tom Brady, we romanticize all of it, right? So when you look at Tom Brady in 2020, the 43-year-old Tom Brady, for many of us, it's hard to separate the 19 previous years, like the, the multiple MVPs, the multiple Super Bowl MVPs, the multiple playoff appearances and division titles from what he is now. You understand? Like, there are two different things. We could talk about the legacy of Tom Brady, which is unmatched. It's unparalleled, obviously. Or we could talk about the Tom Brady whose last pass at Foxborough was a pick six. Like, understand. Understand that Lamar Jackson had no problem moving the ball on the Tennessee Titans. Like, there was just a lot of drops. There were bad throws, there were interceptions, it was just a bad game. But he was able to move the ball on the Titans. We know what Patrick Mahomes was able to do on the Titans. We saw that in the quarter. He was like, yo, y'all get y'all head start and then watch this. Tom Brady didn't move the ball that well on, <laughs> on the Titans. And we can always put point blame and place responsibility. Oh, he didn't have any receivers. He didn't have this. He didn't have that. But that's just the point. We've seen Tom Brady win Super Bowls with nothing. We've seen it. 
We've seen him win Super Bowls when Rob Gronkowski wasn't playing. We've seen him run Super Bowls without Randy Moss. We've seen him run Super Bowls without Wes Welker. We have seen it without the. We've seen Tom Brady carry an offense before. And what we saw in 2019 is that with an elite defense, with a decent running game, he wasn't able to get out the first round, out of the wild card weekend. I think that speaks volumes, no? It doesn't mean that Tom Brady is trash. It means that, yo, a year early or a year late. Again, we've seen the Patriots MO, and I actually salute Bill Belichick because there's one thing to do it 99% of the time. It's easy for everybody to say, yo, this is what, this is, this is who I stand by. This is my mantra. This is who I am as a person. My integrity never wavers when it's easy decisions to make. But doing it and having that same principled approach is way different moving from Wes Welker than Tom Brady. And the Patriots still did it. And get this. Bill Belichick wanted to move on from Tom Brady, if you believe the reports, two years ago. He knew he felt that he had something in Jimmy Garoppolo. And he was like, yo, I want to keep Jimmy G here. And then when it's time to move on from Brady, bong, his replacement is there. And Tom Brady even felt that way because he was threatened by it. So then you had the three-headed monster, the, the debate, Kraft, Belichick, and Brady. But that lets you know that Bill Belichick, again, it's easy to say, yo, I'm a man of integrity, or these are my principles. 99%, 80%, 75% of the time. But those few moments where the decision is tough, right? When it's not an easy decision to make. That's when you know the character of the person you're dealing with. And I salute Bill Belichick. I think Tampa Bay is going to be much better this year. Because, I, again, I don't think Tom Brady is awful. But I don't think Tom Brady is a top 10 quarterback anymore. We know he's not an elite one anymore. Like we saw it last year. And the fact is that Patriots Titans game was close because of the scheme Bill Belichick had. You saw the Titans the very next week. They were throwing bombs all up and down the field in Baltimore. Bill Belichick was like, you know what? We'll let Derrick Henry run all up and down on us, but we'll keep the game close. And then I will put the game in my quarterback's hand at the end. And Tom Brady failed. It's okay. Every player in every league fails. Every person in some way, shape, or form fails. And Tom Brady is the most successful player in the history of this league. So this is not a knock on him. Please understand, I'm not bashing Tom Brady. But what I am saying is, how is it that we are, or not we, but so many of us in the sporting world are so willing to to cast aside the greatest coach maybe in all of sports history. We have seen Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick, before he was the greatest coach in the NFL, he was the greatest defensive coordinator in the NFL. What are we doing? If I'm going to trust anyone moving on from Tom Brady, if I'm going to trust any NFL mind, any football mind to make this decision, it's the guy who has done it for 20 years. So many people are like, oh man, the Patriots blew this. What are y'all watching? Like Tom Brady made a career out of going to the Super Bowl and winning Super Bowls with the exception of one, well, they didn't even win the year he had Randy Moss, right? They lost to the Giants. But for the vast majority of his career, with the exception, obviously, think about it. He had Gronk and Aaron Hernandez and they lost to the Giants. When he had all these weapons, other years when they either losing to the Ravens or they losing to the Giants. The vast majority of Tom Brady's career, he's winning without elite weapons. Now, all of a sudden, we, we, we look at him and like, yo, why didn't y'all have Tom Brady? Why didn't y'all give him weapons? If that's your argument, then you are at, you even with that argument are admitting that he has slipped that he's not the same player. And if he's not the same player, why on earth are you paying this man $30 million this year? I don't know what a successful, quote-unquote successful season looks for Tom Brady in the Buccaneers in 2020. I'm assuming that 
the goalposts on that will move as the year progresses. But I'm interested in seeing it, man. You know, I remember Joe Montana in Kansas City. And Joe Montana went to an AFC Championship game his first year. Nobody talks about that second year. I'm expecting something similar with Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady this year will have a phenomenal season in Tampa. I truly do. Do I think he makes the Super Bowl? No. Do I think he's an MVP? No. But I think he has a phenomenal year, and he reminds everyone he's the greatest of all time. And that should be applauded. Do I think the Patriots win the Super Bowl this year? No, not at all. Do I think the Patriots win the Super Bowl in the next five years? Probably. (laughs) Because unlike the NBA, where talent means everything, the NFL is so much about coaching, the cap, and figuring how to manipulate the salary cap and get everyone on the same page. And in the history of this sport, there is no one coach who has been better at both of those things than Bill Belichick. And how funny is it that with everything around us in the sporting world crumbling to its knees thanks to this virus, the NFL, the Patriots, and Tom Brady keep chugging along. They literally are unstoppable. And it is unbelievable to see with the context of what's going on in the entire planet right now. I want to hear your thoughts, though, man. I I see a lot of Tom Brady fans all of a sudden. Like people who've been hating this dude forever. And all of a sudden, everybody loves Tom Brady. And look, I made it a point on this show plenty of times. I've never been one of the people who hate Tom Brady. I've never been one of the people who hated the Patriots. They cheated in the past. And that's lame as hell, right? But I appreciate watching that greatness. I appreciate that I was alive and able to watch their run because it was phenomenal. But now all of a sudden, people who used to hate Tom Brady and cheered when he lost are now singing his praises, which is weird to me. But I want to hear your guys' thoughts. Did Tampa, did Tom Brady come out, quote unquote, winners? Even though he wasn't really competing against the Patriots, he made a choice to leave. However you want to break it down, man. Who do you who is more valuable to the Patriots' success? Tom Brady or Bill Belichick? Anything that you want to discuss, Tom Brady, I'm open. I want to hear your thoughts. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com or tweet at me at quarterly show. Again, we spell quarterly here. Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E. All right, guys, off the gridiron for the rest of the show. Now, quarter number two. Second quarter. It's time now for Rise. The Bell Machine. If I get Corona, I get Corona. At the end of the day, I'm not going to let it stop me from partying. I think they're blowing it way out of proportion. I think it's doing way too much. Doing us bad. We need a refund. This virus ain't that serious. It's serious. It's more serious things out there like hunger and poverty. We need to address that. Yeah, I mean, we planned this a long time ago, and it was kind of up in the air if we still go. But, like, we're here. I just turned 21 this year, so I'm here to party, so it's kind of disappointing. But we're just making the most of it. We met these other people in our little Airbnb spot, so we're just hanging out with them and trying to get drunk before everything closes. Slim. At this point, I'm sure all of you all have heard that soundbite. It actually is longer than that. I just had to take out some of the just more frustrating i mean maybe not frustrating over the last week and a half my faith in humanity has dropped to unimaginable levels you know what i'm saying and yo it's easy to pick fun at the spring breakers the 18 19 20 they dumb they never live life they don't know what's going on but then when you look at our political figures right people who have been elected sworn to protect and sworn to serve at the mercy of their constituents the reports came out where bamas were they 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 had the 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 meeting several senators and i'm sure it's more than just the the five that have been named but immediately following this closed door meeting they sell their stocks all the while our federal government at the same time this meeting is happening they're telling us, don't be alarmed. It's just like the flu. We have it contained, yada, yada, yada. 
we also then have people the hoarders right people who are going out of their way to buy countless amounts of hand sanitizer and toilet paper where if we just all kind of bought in on the idea that yo we just keep doing what we've always done then we, we wouldn't have these type of shortage shortages right if you get your one you know 12 roll package of toilet paper like you usually do we everybody can it was his face though this every maybe this is a bad pun but everybody eats right but no we had these mamas who go out of their way to to buy 10 packs from costco the largest you know what i mean so costco serves 200 rolls of toilet paper in one pack and then you get 20 of them joints slim which what you want you understand mamas taking all the the, the rice <laughs> it's like yo water is gone slim i don't know what the hell is going on with people man and then it goes back to all the movies that i've seen which is why this is the rise of, of the machines segment whether it's terminator whether it's our robot hell uh age ultron this is how it all starts this is how it all starts slim the robots are looking like oh these motherfuckers don't know what they doing all right, bet they can't control themselves. We'll control it for them. Y'all, Bamas haven't seen any of these movies. Slim, I'm asking because I I don't have faith anymore. Like I'm looking around, I'm seeing Bamas try to rough older people. Older people are the ones. Well, before hit America, <laughs> I don't even know how to address this because no matter which avenue I want to go down, it's just more ridiculous. And foolish behavior you understand like before this disease hit our country people were like yo this is bad but luckily it's not like this end-all be-all type of pandemic right it targets the elderly and people with uh, immune deficiencies and pre-existing conditions we in America right and this is a larger discussion and conversation about our healthcare system we aren't healthy <laughs> we're just not a healthy group of people so when they said pre-existing conditions we all kind of looked at it like oh okay well you know that's sad but and now you're looking once it hits stateside slim the number of 30 year olds 20 year olds teenagers who are catching this 30 year olds who are dying i'm you just like yo what are we doing wrong and I don't know if we have enough time, enough room to really go over all of the things that we have gone, that have gone wrong for us. God bless the dead, man. One of the more, uh, I guess, infamous quotes from the late doc, uh, from the late Malcolm X was, and we all heard this now, but the, the infamous chickens coming home to roost quote. He was saying this in regards to the assassination of JFK. But when you look at it now in 2020, so many of our issues, so many of the things that have been, I don't even think hidden. If you have any level of consciousness, so many things that have been coming to us recently, they're all coming home the roost. And I, and I feel it's, it's, it, it, it's Shakespearean in its poetic tragedy, right? We are literally a month removed from Super Tuesday, the first. And, you know, the, the, the title of this episode is Perfect Timing, okay? I, I was born in 1982. I'm 37 years old. So, growing up for me, I didn't have to worry about the big spooky red machine, right? Socialism didn't scare me like it bothered and upset my father. And I'm sure my grandparents. Socialism to me has always kind of been like, yeah, that's that makes sense. Communism, I'm not at that point. But socialism, sure. You know, like I never when I was in school, it was, you know, fire drills, hurricane drills. I lived on the West Coast for a time, so we had earthquake drills. I never had the like the bomb scares. And now you look at the, the generation below me, below us, I never had to do active shooting drills either. Right? My, 
for people my age, probably 44 to 29 or maybe not even that much. 29 year olds probably had active shooting drills. So 49 to about 33, 32, maybe. You know, we, we, we live in this world where the idea of socialism does not scare us. And you've seen it in the primaries. Younger voters have embraced, well, the younger voters who actually got out to vote have embraced the idea of socialism and haven't ran away from it. But how, how I guess, tragic or poetic, if you want to use it, is it that the people who overwhelmingly voted against socialism in our most recent primaries are the people who are at this moment at this moment the people who are targeted the most by this pandemic the lives of people who are at the highest risk we're all looking around just a month or so after killing Bernie killing Warren like any of these Yang all of them everybody who's been not only holding the flag for socialism, but but doing so and unafraid, unabashed, right? Confidently, front lines of the socialism argument are like, yo, this is something that we need to do. And they've all been ripped and ridiculed and whatever the case may be. And now we are looking for the federal government to send us checks. And I'm not saying this as if that's a bad thing. Like when you look at the economy and you, again, all of America's chickens are coming home to roost right now. Our healthcare system, broken. The economic inequality, broken. Like this, this disease, COVID-19 has literally showed us. And again, this isn't like the end of the world disease that you see in the movies, right? Where it's like, yo, this thing could kill us all instantly. Nah, this is relatively benign. And you're seeing the ravage, the havoc that it's caused. The carnage. Here we are. People fighting over toilet paper. <laughs> like, think about it. Does the idea of rations really sound too, you know, far-fetched, too scary? Does, does the idea of rations right now sound scary? Because that's what your grocery stores are saying. Hey, limit to one or two per customer. Because in the capitalist society, you have the Bama who, you saw the, the, the article where the dude bought all these hand sanitizers and, and um, disaffected wipes and disaffected sprays. Now he can't, he can't sell them because he was price gouging them. So he has this entire like garage of all these things that he can't, he can't make money off of. That's capitalism for you. And I'm not saying this as someone who's bashing capitalism, but let's be honest. That's what, that's what we're facing as a society right now. You have people who, who, are, who are like searching for soap, for soap. <laughs> because so many people was like, yo, I got the money, I'm gonna buy all these joints. What are, think about it, like all of the negative things that we were taught about socialism slash, and again, I'm not, this is not someone who's carrying a flag for communism, but all of the things that we were taught as youngsters, children in school, Right? State-run television. Oh, shit. We've been had that. We have it president. Man, let's keep it funky. You know, I try not to, you know. But, like, this ain't the time for pleasantries, right? We have a president who killed the pandemic response team, was told about this in January, defunded it so he could have money for his re-election campaign, went on national television and said the Democrat, the Democratic response, and I'm not a Democrat either, but the Democratic response was a hoax, and that this was just another way to get him, and that things, things have been contained. And now here we are, right? You have an entire network who, who heard the talking points and an extremely popular network, right? Of all the news channels, the highest rated news channel of all of them. They take their marching orders from the White House. And now this virus that they said was just like the flu has now hit several of their colleagues. We have state-run television, state-run radio here in the United States, and it's been that way for decades. Let's not fool ourselves. 
distrust in the media, manipulation. We don't have that here? 100% we do. Corruption in our governments. We don't have that here? Of course we do. Nepotism, favoritism. We don't have that here? Man, it's time to wake up. All of our fears, all of our fears about socialism, a socialist society, we are living in it right now, but without any of the benefits. You have people, there have been reports that the unemployment rate, when we are, when, whenever we get through this, will be near 30%. Can you just imagine? I don't think people really understand. We have an existential crisis right now, right? We, we haven't even hit the peak yet. Bama, we heard the clip, Bama's still going on spring break, chilling like it's, it's, it's cool outside. People still do not understand how significant and how dangerous of a time we're living in right now. But whenever, if ever, we get through that, we got this economic monster that is standing on top of all of us. I'm fortunate, God bless, thank the Lord, that I'm blessed enough that I can provide for my family, I can be safe, I don't have to go into work, I, I'm cool, right? And I'm fortunate and I'm extremely blessed. Thank my Lord and Savior every night, every morning for that. But everybody's not like that. We all have to be more, like, the compassion. Like, where is this? It's either, it's either indifference, ignorance, or basically, I'm going to get mine. Which is the truest form of capitalism that I can think we everybody acts like yo during super tuesday oh man bernie's too scary i don't know if we're ready for the socialist uh agenda and then this happens and it's it's amazing that and amongst times you know and look this is not me campaigning for anybody i have my issues with bernie i i don't like joe biden <laughs> i have no problem saying that I have issues with Bernie. I don't like Joe Biden. But Slim, let's let's keep it funky. Let's look around us and see what's happening. Everybody hated the idea of socialism until, oh shit, we need it. And my question, I suppose, is why is it when it comes to us? We don't ever have foresight. We're so myopic, right? It never, we can never think more than what is in front of us right now. If we had any bit of foresight, we could be like, yo, imagine how prepared we could be for something like this. We had people screaming for four years like, yo, this is what we need to do. This is what we need to do. But we kept on pushing it aside. And now, Bama's can't go into their job. You can't go into your job. You can't get work. Schools are shut down. So your kids have no place to go for eight, nine hours a day. There's no aftercare that's shut down. So you have to stay at home. Your kids need something to do. And bills still need to be paid. And now we turn into the government asking for checks, which we should. But tell me what part of that is scary. Because all of that, all of that has been a part of a socialist agenda for, for, for decades, for longer than I've been alive. You know, I know that, like, man, we're looking for optimism. We're looking for positive things. We're looking for things to kind of distract us, to keep our mind off of the reality of the situation. And I get this, and we're going to get back to this. Halftime is coming up. But I really want everybody to understand. So I'm like, yo, we got to shake this joint, bro. We, we got to figure out what the, the path forward is because carrying it on like this, this is why the robots are coming for our asses, Slim. <laughs> Bam, yo, we have failed, bruh. At every level, imagine. All right, guys, you heard the horn, so that means it is halftime. And halftime this week, you know, we're going to go back to the start of the second quarter where we played that clip of Spring Breakers kind of just cavalierly running around Miami South Beach. Uh as if they are un invincible, untouchable to the coronavirus. It's truly, man, you know, we all did dumb things when we were in our teenage years, early 20s, right? So I'm trying not to sound like the old man, get off my lawn, but like, 
I feel as if, you know, if I was faced with the pandemic, I would have sat my ass down. Like, I don't think that that's too much to ask for any of us, right? We were, we had enough knowledge. We had enough basic human decency, enough common sense that when the entire world is truly battling the same virus, right? We would have had the perspective enough to be like, yo, maybe my week trip to the beach can chill. You know what I'm saying? Until this is over. But it got me thinking, like, if... COVID-19 isn't enough to stop these uh, certain spring breakers. What actually would be? And that's the topic for this week's Halftime. Take a listen. Welcome to the Situation Room. I'm Wolf Blitzer. Tonight, an alarming story from Hawaii as spring breakers continue to converge on the island despite an active volcano erupting. Joining me now, live from the Big Island, Jonah. Jonah, why are you not listening to authorities in evacuating? Uh, what's up, Wolf? It's spring break 2020, bro. YOLO! <laughs> uh, um, okay, but it's literally a volcano erupting. You can die. Wolf, I'm 20 years old, bro. I believe in fate. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. No, actually. That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. You're choosing to stay in harm's way. That's not fate, that's stupidity. I don't expect you to understand, Boomer. <laughs> I'm under a lot of pressure right now. I need to unwind. Pressure? What pressure could you possibly be under? Well, okay, I didn't make captain on my community college ultimate frisbee team, and I DM'd this chick the other day smoking. But she left me on read, bro. It's been a really trying month, Wolf. Yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. It truly is insane, right? The, the what's the old saying, right? Uh, youthfulness is lost on the young. Like, this, I, I don't even know how else to, this, this indifference to, to not only yourself, right? Because what we've seen once uh, COVID-19 has hit the states is that it does impact young people, right? The What we were uh, told before it really uh, showed itself in America was that, you know, younger people, people under the age of 60 were going to be by larger stretch, right? Okay. But that hasn't been the case, um, at least in America. So it's not just that it could impact them. But like the 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 arrogance, right? The the self-centeredness, like we all could be carriers and impact someone's parents, someone's grandparents, like someone's aunt's uncle. Like it doesn't matter if you or me, if we are someone who won't be affected or asymptomatic or whatever the case, we could be endangering others. And it's really just a simple kind of understanding that somehow was lost upon so many different people. And I I hope I wasn't this arrogant and I wasn't this self-absorbed when I was a teenager. As I'm sure most of us who are of age or, or watch how we feel when we watch these clips. But it's just, I mean, you know, you got to laugh to keep from crying sometimes. So hopefully you all enjoyed halftime this week. All right, man, you know, the first half adjustments have been made. So now it's time to get into the second half and finish this show up strong. And luckily... I'm joined by a super special guest, someone that I've known uh, for quite some time and someone who can provide a really, really dope perspective, not just from sports, but also from news. My guy, Frank Hammerhand. Third quarter. All right, everyone. Joining me this week, a friend of the program, and I've been fortunate enough to know Frank for some years now. We've worked together. Uh, he's got to give me some advice along the way. I really appreciate that. And, of course, appreciate him making time this week on the Quarterly Report. Frank Hanrahan from WTOP. Frank, thank you so much for joining me this week on uh, the Quarterly Report. Oh, anytime, man. My 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 pleasure. Yeah, man. So, obviously, this has been a, a, a strange and a completely <laughs> unique uh, time for all of us. Yeah. yeah. Um, I kind of touched on kind of larger than sports issues. Um, earlier in the show, but I kind of want to kind of refine the focus a bit. This whole coronavirus issue is touched everything, but I feel like in the NBA, mm -hmm. 
the NBA was the first place that really opened everyone's eyes. It was like, yo, this is a big problem. And the player who has kind of shouldered the blame for that in many ways is Rudy Gobert. Um, everyone hates the media. <laughs> but I feel like in these times now, yeah. particularly with everything that's happening, it's so important for the media to to adhere to the strict journalistic integrities and principles that you and I both kind of started our career mm-hmm. went to school with. Mm-hmm. When you see Adrian Wojnarowski release Rudy Gobert's name, Donovan Mitchell's name, and Ryan yeah. Wood's name, how does that make you feel as a journalist for the biggest radio station in yeah. you know, powerful city in the country? Well, at first you're like, oh, that's great to get that information. But then the more I think about it, I'm like, wait a second. What if that was you? <laughs> if that exactly. was me? Exactly. And all of a sudden, my name is being flashed out there as testing positive for whatever disease it is. Um, the privacy issue came to mind immediately. But and, and to your credit, you were one of the only few folks on Twitter that I saw that was in agreement with me because we're so spoon fed now with information yeah. by these insiders that right. we don't even blink when we yeah. get the information. We're so hungry for it, man, that even when it's of the utmost uh uh, importance to that individual it doesn't matter as long as we get that information uh if i'm rudy gobert or donovan mitchell um certainly either someone inside your organization or inside the nba is leaking this stuff and leaking it without even blinking right immediately. okay now now a couple days ago actually it was last night when we we're recording this on friday the lakers came out and said they had two players positive and you know the first thing i'm thinking is well, who yeah. is it? Why who don't I? Yep. Why why am I not getting information? <laughs> Instead of, and our mind should be thinking the other way, like, well, because of the matter, because of the privacy issues. Yes, we have players that have tested positive, but we're not going to release that information. So imagine if we go back a week and a half or so when that was uh, put out there that a Utah Jazz player tested positive. Not saying they would not have shut things down. They probably would have shut the league down. But Rudy Gobert, man, for the rest of his life, exactly. he is he's tainted. Yeah. <laughs> he's tainted, right? No, I mean he's tainted. Sure. Can, like, can he can he play for Utah ever again? Probably. But will he end up there? Probably not. They're gonna try to move him just because exactly. of this, probably. I know. It's it's so nuts when you think about it. I mean, you know, it's weird. Like you said, we're recording this on a Friday. So all the medical experts are saying, like, yo, we haven't even hit the worst part of it yet. Rudy Gobert is a two-time Defensive Player of the Year, multiple-time All-NBA player. And for the rest of his life life. in America, he's going to be looked upon as the coronavirus guy. Yes. Heaven forbid people like bodies start to pile up. There are going to be idiots out there who who are going to feel angst towards him. Towards him. It's scary. One thing I've learned throughout this whole process we don't care about anything as a society until it affects us. Right? Right. Right. And in Iran and China and Italy, everything was going to hell. And then everybody's still kind of casual. It's a hoax and all this. It's the flu. It's the car accident, all this dumb stuff. And then once it started impacting us, now it's like, oh, it's real. And same applies. It's real, right? It's crazy. Once again, guys, I'm joined by my guest this week, Frank Hanrahan. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at J Frank Hanrahan. You can hear him on WTOP. So, Frank, uh, obviously the NBA was the first major, or not even major, just sports entity to kind of suspend, I think is the way they phrased it, their play. But now we're fastly approaching just doing the logistics in your head, and it's like, oh, I don't know if they'll be able to get this the rest of their season. Do you think that they'll be able to finish, not even just the season, but even finish a postseason for this year? You know what I'm thinking is going to happen is – this is what will happen. At some point, they will get this season in. It will be shortened. Right. And this will be sort of like the groundwork laid for the rest of the NBA in terms of the future. We know Adam Silver's already talking about having these in-game tournaments shortening right. the season. They can almost use this as yep. sort of an experiment. Uh, so I'm thinking they'll get the season in. And, and we'll see a different alignment scheduling moving forward. Maybe next year they don't start until, hey, Christmas, like right. their biggest day of the, as they of should. the year, as they right. should. Right. So I think the impact of this is going to be felt not only certainly this summer, but for years to come. We'll look back at, at this suspension of this league and, and see how it impacts it 
moving forward. But I think it's going to be huge, and I think it'll be really a different look for the NBA in the future. I think the league will certainly cut down the number of games played. Mm-hmm. Uh, because what are they at right now? Are they at like 60 82. games? Well, I think they, most teams have played probably about like um... – Near 60, 60 to 61, something like okay, that. Okay, yeah. yeah. So there you go. I mean, this could be this could be the groundwork for for future stuff in the NBA. Yeah, it's it's interesting because you know recently they said that they're shutting down the facilities, so players yeah, are not yeah. be able to to practice together. So I'm a, I mean, I don't think that this this kind of shutdown. I think we're just hitting the tip of the iceberg with the quote yeah. unquote shutdown yeah. and social distancing. If this does happen, I can't imagine that they finish the postseason before August. Right. Which then, like you said, would push the season next season back to Christmas, which in a perfect world, I think that's what NBA fans have been hoping yeah. for yeah. anyway. You know what's weird too? Like uh at WTOP, I was trying to just do some different sort of stories about yeah. um sports because there's not much to talk about besides NFL free agency. By the way, they're still doing business. I know. <laughs> the it's world's coming to an end. Capitalism, and they're still doing bro. business. Oh my yeah. god. Uh distraction. But yeah. You know, the Wizards were not um, going to let me interview anybody, like, until this all clears out, which is sort of interesting. Now, I saw, like, one or two players on some local podcasts. That's probably just through, like, being personal with them. But I I thought that was sort of interesting, that they're so tight-lipped. And to your point, they're closing facilities. Like, players can't even go – there's no – nothing's open. So, like, the only workouts they can do is in their home. So it's just a – such a very fascinating time. So very tight lips. So we don't even know what's going on unless, you know, Wojnarowski or Shirani are, are tweeting it. Once again, guys, I'm joined by my guy, Frank Hanrahan from WTOP. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at J Frank Hanrahan, a uh, friend of the program. And Frank, my final question to you yes. is, you know, we as a society, I know this is a sports podcast, but yo, like sometimes you gotta, you know, I remember when I first talked to you when I went to, you know, my my current job and I was asking you, you know, in sports, everyone always says, you know, try to stay out of news, man, because it's depressing. And I can attest it's pretty pretty heavy. However, you know, we, especially in the sports world, but I think in general, we use entertainment, but sports as a distraction. You always hear, oh, man, I use sports as a distraction. I need a distraction. Mm -hmm. And in today it's just hard for me to look at this situation and not think to myself like we don't need to be distracted <laughs> right. we, we really need to be focusing because whole numbers and all types of other stuff and it's it's yeah. literally leaving me speechless yeah because uh, you want to worry about you know taking care of yourself and your family and the last thing you're worried about and i'm with you the last thing you're, you're cared about is is the march madness like oh man today would have been round one right. of, of 64 and i'm missing out on that but listen I, i'm trying to think if this was my senior year in college or high school you know what it would suck to high hell that i'm missing out on that stuff but big picture my God, you know, yeah. like let's let's put let's put that to the side. You know, I didn't get to play in the tournament, but at least I survived. <laughs> at I least know. I'm alive. <laughs> my parents are okay, and I'm seeing like you said, the NFL is going on marching on like it's nothing. Oh my God. And I'm listening to people like, oh thank yeah. goodness the NFL is happening. Meanwhile, like, you know, <laughs> like look, the, the, the world is like changed forever. I'm and, just speechless at that. And no one really has said anything about it. Like if I'm Tom Brady or all these cats or like the LA Rams. I mean, I know there's a date and stuff, but right. shouldn't they ask the league, like, hey, let's push this stuff back, man. This let's is a bad look. We're <laughs> cutting we're cutting people. We're, we're, we're letting them off, off their contracts and putting them out to pasture when there's a, a pandemic going on. Like, let's yeah. hit them with a double whammy, right? Like Gurley <laughs> or, you and know, then, I mean, Jesus. And then, and then Brady signing this, this contract and stuff. Like, I, from my perspective, if, I'm sure he's way into his marketing and stuff. Didn't he ask somebody, like, do you think this is the best idea for me to come out? Honestly, they probably said, yeah. oh, yeah, this is great, diversion, distraction. But, again, to your point, what are we distracting from? Right. Like, there should be no diversion or distraction when you should be focused on trying to get rid of this thing and survive. Anyway. Yeah, it should yeah. be a hand, all-hands-on-deck <laughs> approach, right? Especially when you have government sure. officials pleading with the public, like, uh, stay inside. <laughs> this <laughs> is a, like. Hey, and now that I have you, this is a crazy time because we're talking about, you know, all coming together when we got to stay six feet away. But I don't know right. about you, but like there have been many instances of just dealing with people that I know 
mm-hmm. who are handling everything differently. So it's almost like we all have our certain level of how we're handling it. And each day, my um, acknowledgement of it changes. I mean, the like a week ago, dude, I'd be like, hey, let's go to the playground. Hey, right. exactly. let's go take a bike ride. And each day, I mean, my 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 rules have changed literally daily. Right. So now I'm like, Hey, let's just go out back. <laughs> right. Exactly. exactly what it's been. That's it. Like, We're not even taking a walk. So yeah, it's, like, it's let's crazy, look around man. if there's no humans around. Like, yeah, we can find a little spot to, to play right here. But outside of that, like, it's and, and to your point about distractions, I'm surprised that like, even when you go to these major websites to get your distraction or your news, there's, there's news certainly of coronavirus, but there's not like, Sometimes if you go to ESPN, they'd have ABC News like banner right. up top, right. like "Hey, here's the latest." They don't even have that, have so it's, that. Just, it's just a yeah. strange time where you know life goes on. But the same token, life won't go on if we don't get this thing straightened out. So let's get it done. So anyway, one hundred, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying, right? Strange, strange Ooh. times. But thank you again, guys. Once again, this has been Frank Hanrahan. Mm-hmm. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at J Frank Hanrahan. Of course, you can hear him on WTOP as well. Check out his podcast as well. Frank Hanrahan. Frank, thank you so much for joining me this week on the Quarterly Report, bro. Awesome, man. Thank you, bro. Talk to you soon. All right. Big shout out to my guy, Frank Hanrahan, man. Really enjoyed that conversation. All right, guys. Three quarters are now in the book. So we have one quarter left, and it's about how this one pandemic on a great scale has affected all of us. But on a smaller scale, just when it comes to sports, it could shift everything as we know it in the nba it's our fourth topic this week fourth quarter again we're not trying to minimize the the real uh tragedy and the real dangerous situation that we all as human beings are facing right now right but i imagine if you come to this show you don't want to just hear about covid19 and all this other stuff and politics and you know you want to have fun as well and you know, I do as well. I want to talk about sports and uh, entertainment as well. So, again, not to diminish the real-life problems, but, hey, we have a show to do. We want to entertain you guys, and I want you to come back and listen. And I want to engage you as well. So, putting aside the actual, you know, people who are affected truly, right, impacted truly, just refining the focus to the sports world, There's one group of people who I feel awful for. Dead ass, man. I feel so bad for them because what they were on the precipice of becoming and achieving and what the ramifications of this stoppage, if not cancellation of a season, even if the season, if the NBA season were to restart after months off, There's continuity. You don't know what can happen. I mean, the Milwaukee Bucks were playing phenomenal basketball all year long. And by every single metric. Now, we we saw in 2016, like, there is no such thing as a sure thing. However, if Draymond Green was not addicted to kicking men in the nuts, the Warriors would have beaten the Cavaliers as well. These Milwaukee Bucks have been just as dominant. And they haven't won a championship since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Not only are they now either eyeing a season that's being canceled, and the more information that I see, I know the NBA is swearing up and down. They're not going to cancel the season. No matter what, whether they play into August, maybe even into September, there will be uh, a completed NBA, at least a, uh, a complete postseason. But every single medical expert continues to say, even when you look at China, who where they have actually flattened the curve and now they're not even reporting new cases. Every expert is like cautious when they say, we don't know how this thing plays out months from now when everybody does come back and all the people who did not get it when they get it. We don't know if once you have COVID-19 that your body then becomes immune to it. We literally know next to nothing about this virus. So imagine in two months, because the China Basketball Association, they stopped things down for two and a half months. So let's just say two and a, two months from now, right? We already eat the half. So that's April, May. So in June, we start back up. 
But all the players, the vast majority of players who did not get COVID-19, let's say one then gets it when the postseason starts. Then you have to shut the whole thing down again. And I feel for the Milwaukee Bucks and Milwaukee Bucks fans, not just because they had the inside track to a championship. I think we all feel like they, if nothing else, they would have made it to the finals for the first time in decades. But look at the pressure now that this organization will be will be put under if this season is canceled. That means next season, it is all or nothing. Like the Milwaukee Bucks did every, I shouldn't say everything, right? They should have kept Malcolm Brogdon. But look, man. Chris Middleton, I was super critical of Chris Middleton for the last two seasons. I thought that the Bucks were foolish for choosing Middleton over Brogdon. Now, I still think they're foolish. They were foolish for choosing Bledsoe over Brogdon. Okay. But clearly, re-signing Chris Middleton was a genius move. And he has lived up to I me. Mean, he's going to be an all-NBA player this season. He's been phenomenal. There is no other way to slice it. Chris Middleton has been every bit as good as the Milwaukee Bucks had hoped. And everything that they have done has worked to a T. There is no Kawhi Leonard in the Eastern Conference. So I don't know who was going to stop Giannis or the Bucks in the East, let alone in the league. We were gearing up for a small market team who did everything right, drafted a superstar, groomed him, and... Before he can hit free agency, they were on the cusp of doing something that City has not seen in basketball terms and before I was alive. And to have it ripped from them. They didn't lose. Like you can you can you can take it if you lose. It's gonna hurt. It'll be a tough pill to swallow, but at some point you just gotta eat that joint. But if you don't even get a chance for it, if no team beats you. The Milwaukee Bucks, I don't think they've lost four games in seven in seven game like four times in seven games all season. In fact, I'm quite certain of it. Imagine and then like just off the strength. Like, let's say that was that. Like, man, we had the best team all year. Every single piece of data, every single information, every single thing that you could look at as far as a predictor of a champion, we aced like not even close. Everybody wants to talk up the Lakers, and I get that, right? Because the Lakers are a glamour franchise and LeBron and boom, boom. The Lakers were not close to being how... They're not even close to being on the Bucks level. They're not. The best defensive team in the league. Top three in offense. I mean, you look at the history of the league. Those are the champions. With one exception, essentially. So that in itself is hard to digest if you're a Milwaukee Bucks fan. But then you have the added pressure of Giannis. If you win it this year, you can take a sigh of relief. You're like, oh, we told him we could build a champion around him. We did so. Or even if you go to the finals, maybe Giannis doesn't play this best uh, series. Giannis doesn't strike me as the player who would leave if he doesn't play well. You understand? Like, he seems like, yo, you know what? The team built this for me, and they got me here. I have to send this home. And if I don't, that's on me, right? He doesn't strike me as the guy who would have a bad finals and then be like, hey, man, I don't know. We need more. Nah, Slim. The team has been put around you, a championship-caliber team. So if you win the championship this year, then you're like, oh, you take the sigh of relief. You throw that that contract to him, that super max, and then you're like, yo, you're two-time MVP. You made first-team All-NBA, and you won a champion, probably be a finals MVP. Hey, man, what more do you want? And then you know if he signed, if he doesn't sign, then you know, okay, you have a whole year to be like, hey, he's just not coming back. But he again, he strikes me as a guy. He said he wants to win. If you win with another year left, you're playing with house money. But now... If we don't have a season, if they if they do not restart this season, all of the pressure is on one year, one year. And no matter what happens, Lord knows what can happen in the NBA season. 
Steph Curry hurt himself in the first 10 games. And, you know, we're not wishing injury on anyone. But the East looks completely different. We've talked about this in the past. Imagine if Kevin Durant comes back and doesn't miss a beat. The Wizards fix it together, right? If Oladipo gets even better. If the Sixers figure it out finally. Like, you just don't know. There's so many variables, and you're all focused on 82 games now. Because if this season does not continue, and even if it does, you're asking guys who are in a flow, guys who had a rhythm, then all of a sudden abruptly stop for two months just to restart. Everything gets thrown off at that point. Again, I would imagine every player is more susceptible to an injury at that point, which then adds another variable to the equation. I feel so bad for Bucks fans. And the only thing that could, could, could I guess, cure those feelings is if they were to win a championship this year. Because and that's and that's a, and a weird situation, right? Because no championship is guaranteed. The Bucks may have lost in the conference championships for all we concern, right? Like for all we know, Milwaukee would have never even made it to the finals. But in our mind, it's like okay, you could almost pencil them in. So no matter what the result is now, even if they continue the season, so much of it has been shifted. So much of it has been changed. You know, they were, again, the Milwaukee Bucks were playing so well. So well. And then you just stop. Suddenly. With no heads up, just one night, it's over. Practice facilities are closed, so you can't chill with your teammates. What are you doing? Some of the guys, you know, most of those guys probably left Milwaukee. No disrespect for people in Milwaukee, but y'all know what time it is. So, like, and then all of a sudden, hey, guys, we're going to have this fake training camp and we're going to run right into the postseason. Slim. Oh, and if they don't win this year, oh, my gosh. Can you imagine? Because then the vultures are all swirling around Milwaukee. Whatever. What's what's the arena called now? I forget. They just changed it two years ago. I don't remember the name of it. Old Bradley Center, right? But all the vultures are then circling because they can smell it. Because then it's all or nothing for Giannis. Because every team in the league wants to make that pitch to the Greek freak. And the one thing that Milwaukee could do to shield him away was win a championship. And the best chance they had at winning was this year. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, yo. I'm so sorry. Though sometimes it feels like the, the basketball guys don't want the small markets to win, doesn't it? It just feels that way. Like, who could have predicted this? And if you're a Bucks fan, man, hit me up. I'm on Twitter at Quarterly Show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show. Or email me at QuarterlyReport at gmail.com. And I want to hear from you all. If you're an NBA fan, I want to hear from you. Do you have sympathy for the Milwaukee Bucks? My team basically is a JV NBA team, right? We probably are a G League team, actually, at this point. So I actually can empathize for successful teams because my team isn't even a close to competing with them right so maybe if you're a Celtics fan you have no empathy or sympathy for them because you look at them as rivals as a competitor Knicks fans there are no competitors for us the Rochester Knicks are our competition you understand like we're not a real professional basketball team so I can empathize with the Milwaukee Bucks can you though that's my question to you you have a whole week to hit me up man and I want to hear your guys' thoughts all right, man, that's been the show this week. Again, I want to thank my guy, my homie, Frank Hammerhan from WTOP for joining me this week. And I want to thank each and every one of you all for rocking with me for another episode of The Quarterly Report. Hey, y'all be safe out there, and I'll see you next Tuesday.